Marriage is to be for life, but fewer and fewer are going the distance. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll hear what the Lord has to say on the matter of marriage and divorce. This is amazing grace. It really is sad to see how lightly marriage is taken these days. The divorce rate, the laws that are in place, and even the living together prior to marriage just goes to show how far we've declined as a society. But God sees marriage entirely different, and He wants us to value and esteem marriage as highly as He does. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see marriage and divorce from God's perspective. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians is written to a church that is in deep chaos. There appears to be a lack in leadership there. The church and the leaders are allowing sin. They're not only allowing it, but they're glorifying it. And Paul writes this letter to calm the issue, to speak truth into the issue, and answer questions. And that's where we're at right now. He's answering some questions that are on the minds of the believers What's going on as it relates to singleness and marriage? That's where we're at in this chapter. And Paul writes with that authority that comes from the Holy Spirit. In the midst of his corrections, he gives some instructions. And that's where we pick up in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. And the counsel to those that are currently married, it's very simple, don't divorce. That's the simple understanding of these two verses. The Spirit encourages you, even as the Spirit was encouraging the church in Corinth, to work out your differences, to humble yourself, to make the needed changes, to get back to basics in your marriage, husbands, and love your wives as Christ loved the church. And to get back to basics, wives, for you to submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. And for sure, church, every issue in marriage comes back to these two things. There are a lot of variations in them and a lot of problems and a lot of layers and a lot of hurt and a lot of bitterness. A lot. All of the things I know, they're, they're much broader than the simplicity of these instructions. But I'll tell you, as you walk down the path of healing in your marriage, it always relates to a husband not loving his wife as Christ loved the church and or to a wife that's not submissive to her husband as unto the Lord. And the simple answer to the question about marriage is, if you're married, don't divorce. And I realize that even that word, as it's mentioned, isn't popular. It's, well, it's touched your life in one way or another, divorce. Perhaps many of you don't even like talking about divorce or even thinking about it because you've been personally affected by it. You have a divorce in your background. You might even be in the middle of one. 
I love that the law still stipulates here in Colorado that there is a waiting period when paperwork is filed. I like that. I wish they would keep that. More and more states are getting rid of it, uh, replacing it with what's something that's very popular today, no-fault divorce, and they're making it very quick, very easy, but our state still happens to have a waiting period, and that waiting period is so valuable, so wonderful. They give God a chance to work. It's sad that the state government would mandate a waiting period when the Bible mandates a waiting period. To wait on the Lord that your strength might be renewed. To wait on the Lord for him to work. And when the topic of divorce is brought up in the scriptures, think of it in terms of God's highest ideal. Those of you that have a divorce in your past, don't use it as a time of condemnation. Don't let the enemy beat you up over it. Think of it in God's highest ideal. And God's highest ideal, God's life for you personally right now, is that God intends marriage to be monogamous, committed, loving relationship for life. One man, one woman, one lifetime. You know how we know that? Because it's repeated over and over again in the scriptures. In the beginning, God created them male and female, and he intended that relationship to be for life. And combined with that, in Malachi chapter 2, we're told that God hates divorce. And those of you that have been touched by divorce, whether you've been through one or maybe your parents or your grandparents, you know, one of the things I've been noticing lately as a pastor just seems to be just a rise in this is that I have grown adults in my office weeping over the divorce of their parents who've been married for 30, 40 plus years. And there's a lot of reasons for it, and, and there's all sorts of justifications for it, but even that long, it, I mean, grown adults just weeping over the divorce of their parents, and then, and then the enemy gets in and starts to think, I wonder how my marriage is, I wonder if my husband will leave me, I wonder if she'll leave me, and the enemy is just so slick with this area of divorce and lack of commitment, and if you're married, don't divorce. Turn over to Matthew chapter 19. Let's look at this topic from the perspective of Jesus here in Matthew 19. God hates divorce for a variety of reasons. And let's see and, and gain insight from Jesus as he is approached by these religious rulers. We're going to start right there in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 19. In verse 1 it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? You know, that question is still asked today. Just any reason. Is it okay if I bail and I quit, and just for any reason? And that any reason varies from person to person, but the question is still asked today. And here are the Pharisees coming in the midst of beautiful ministry by Jesus, and all they want to do is try to trap and test him. Instead of helping and healing and coming alongside to, to help Jesus in the ministry, they're testing and they're trapping. They want to tangle. They just don't get it. They want to tangle Jesus in his own words, really trying to cause the people to come against him. And they ask this question, trying to disrupt the work of God. It was a question that's going to stir controversy. And by the way, it's always a good thing as you're interacting with other people, as you're praying with other people, as people coming up with questions, it's always a good thing to ask, is this question, they really want an answer to this question or are they trying to pick a fight with me? Because you know, people do try to pick fights as it relates to the Bible, where their questions aren't genuine. And it's okay, the Holy Spirit has given you discernment, you could just say, you know, I don't, 
I don't think you're really asking that question genuinely, are you? Because it sounds like you're trying to trap me. It sounds like you're trying to twist my words. It sounds like you're, and in that relationship, there are times when people try to use the Bible to trip you up and try to disprove uh, what you believe or try to undermine your faith. And that is the pattern. You're out serving the Lord. You're loving him and, and you're out in ministry and God's doing great things. And they come alongside of you with these questions of disruption and controversy. The Bible would call them in another place, tares among the wheat. And so their question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And it's a good question to ask. It's not a bad question. The motives might be bad, but the question's really good. You can ask that right now. Those of you that are in the midst of separation, those of you that have divorce papers all drawn up, those of you that are in the waiting period, I ask you, is it okay for you to divorce your husband or your wife for any reason? And we'll see how Jesus answers it. It's a good question to ask. You see, in the law, it did make provision for divorce. And I find that the harder a person's heart is, the more they'll look for a reason to divorce. The softer the heart is, the more open to reconcile. Harder the heart, divorce is, is, seems like the only logical answer. It will never change. It's better that we get out. It's better that we quit. And the law in Deuteronomy, you can just jot it down in Deuteronomy chapter 24, did make provision for divorce. But it was ambiguous. It wasn't crystal clear. I'll read it to you in verse 1. It says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. It says, hey, you know, if you find any uncleanness in your wife, go ahead and write it out, put the certificate in her hand, and she's gone. And it was ambiguous. And that's really where they're taking him. Because in the day, during this time surrounding Jesus and even into the church in Corinth, there were two primary views on divorce, two schools of thought surrounding two different rabbis. On the one side was the teaching and the leadership and the oversight of Rabbi Shammai. And he taught that the only grounds for divorce, this uncleanness, because it all surrounded around this definition of uncleanness, he defined uncleanness very distinctly as sexual immorality. And that was a common teaching, and it was, it was accepted widely, very conservative. On the other hand, there was the teaching of Rabbi Hillel. And through the teaching of Rabbi Hillel, he taught that the, a guy could divorce his wife for any reason, period. And so you know which one was more popular. Hillel was the one that was followed, which no different today, church, just no different today. When a pastor, a teacher... I mean, it's easy, maybe on the radio, you're listening to a radio and, and one of your favorite teachers is teaching there and he says something you don't like and you're just kind of going through it and, and what do you do? Click. I don't want to listen to that guy. Maybe I'll pick up his study tomorrow because he seems, and then you find out that on the radio teachings, they kind of back up a little bit to the previous day's teaching so you can catch up if you didn't make it. And so it's repeated again. And you're like, boom, I don't want to hear that. And that little simple choice to turn the radio off when you hear something you don't like happens with pastors and teachers all the time. The way it gets manifested within a church is you just find that there is this desire to go from church to church to church to you finally, finally find someone that you like. And then you decide, you know, I really like that guy. I always agree with him. Seems to be saying everything that I like. And, and I, don't, I, I leave feeling really good. I, I don't really hear about my own sin. Or my, and, I have the, and you realize that's not the best thing for you. 
I'm not advocating, you know, the pastors, you make sure in your message you teach five things that people are going to really get ticked off at. You know, if you ask a question, how should I put my Bible? So we'll find five good things and five bad things and always balance it out. No, my advice to you is to open the Bible, pick a book, start in chapter one, verse one, and teach your way through the entire book. And you know what will happen when you do that? There'll be some really encouraging passages. You're just going to be so uplifted. It's going to bring great joy into your life. And then you're going to come to some passages that it doesn't matter how you package them. It doesn't matter how much icing you put on them and what cherry you put on top. It's still not going to taste good. You're still not going to like it. And the warning in the last days for us, church, is that we're going to begin, the danger in the church will be that there will be believers that will heap up for themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. The sad thing is, is that if you look for a pastor that will tickle your ears, there are many, many out there that would love to tickle your ears in exchange for a whole host of things in the ministry instead of just pointing you to the things of the Lord and receiving the truth, the truth in love. And here Jesus is going to give the truth in love. There is the, these two viewpoints out there, and we, we have that today where you'll hear a discussion and say, well, I follow Pastor so-and-so, and I follow, what do you think Pastor said this, and what's this commentary over here? It, it's not much farther from what the Corinthians were going through, and I'm of a Paul, and I'm of Apollos. We want to be very, very careful that even if a pastor taught you something, check it out and make sure it's from the Word. That way when you quote it, you can just quote it from the Word. And some pastor taught it to you or some commentary, you picked it up. But if it doesn't square with the Word, you don't want to just follow a man blindly. You want to be like the Bereans, taking everything that's taught and testing it by the Scriptures so that when it is tested, you won't be following a man. You'll be following the Word. Or a better way of saying it, you will be following a man, man the man Jesus Christ who is worthy of all of our allegiance and worthy of all of our time. And so between these two rabbis, of course, Hillel is going to be the popular one. And they ask this question because in the group they know that just by asking that question, they're going to divide the group. There's going to be people following Shimei and there's going to be people following Hillel. And by asking it in such a way, right away, boom, right down the middle. Just like I can do here if I ask you how you like the weather. I can divide the room right down the middle. Hey, what do you guys think of the snow? Oh, and then the, oh, I'm of the latter, of course. <laughs> or what do you think about the Broncos? Oh, oh I'm of the latter, of course. <laughs> I don't really care one way or the other. But it's easy to divide. Do you know it's easier to divide than to bring unity? That's why the Bible says that we should strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And one of the greatest difficulties in unity is the lack of true repentance and humility. A lot of people desire unity but don't desire to repent and humble themselves. What that's called is you want unity on your terms. You can't have unity on your terms. And there's old church movements that are built around, let's all unify and come together. Well, the only place that we can all unify and come together is in Jesus Christ. There is no other source. We can't come in together in ecumenical unity, which is what we're seeing in the world. Ecumenical is just a big word to mean all the churches coming together in one great cause, but not Jesus. That's all just a convenient setup for the Antichrist. Just all, let's all come together in all great world peace. Well, not, no, only true peace is going to come when Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign. He's going to rule in righteousness and holiness and justice. And so when you think of unity, you think of unity in God's terms, not our terms. 
And the plus place for unity is when two people kind of bump heads as they're bowing down in humility unto the Lord. It's not fighting for your rights. It's not trying to gather a group around you and, and, and build a case of why unity is not happening. Unity is when there's humility. And until there's humility and repentance, you're not really going to see unity. And the enemy loves to use that attitude. We, we tend to call that attitude in our lives pride. And Satan loves to fuel pride in our lives to get us to believe our justification for our position and our stance. And division is often a tool of Satan to weaken the church and the influence of the body to divide us and to weaken. Like a, like a strong river that is broken down into small little tributaries. The, the strength of the river is lost as, as the water starts to go off in different places. It'd be much better if we just kept going moving forward all in one. And so Jesus answers back in Matthew 19... He says in verse 4, he answered and said to them, have you not read? <laughs> You've got to love that. He's telling the religious rulers, don't you guys read your Bible? Haven't you found that there are people in your life that have claimed to be a Christian for years and they say something to you like, Haven't, don't you read your Bible? Like it's simple. And that's what he's saying. He's saying it in love. I mean, we kind of read into it, maybe some emotion, but, but I think he just said, hey, haven't you guys read that he made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus doesn't fall into, his, into their trap. He bypasses Deuteronomy chapter 24 because the context of a scripture is always important and you're really not going to understand Deuteronomy chapter 24 until you understand the first few chapters of Genesis and he takes them all the way back to the beginning he says don't you know the definition of marriage but we could say that today in our society can't you don't you know the definition of marriage Jesus said it's one male one female let them come together in one and don't let a man separate them that's marriage and that's how he answers. Don't you guys know what the Bible says? It's very clear. It's very simple. God's intent, his original design, God's divine ideal is that marriage is for life. The act of completeness when a man and a woman unite. Or as some wise guy once said, a man is incomplete until he's married. After that, he's finished. <laughs> God's heart on divorce is that no man would separate them. It's the view of Jesus. Let it not happen. So Paul, again, is going back to the original intent of God. And that's what we want to go back to. And then he goes on, and you can read the rest of the chapter. We've studied Matthew in depth, and they're not, they're not going to take just the simple answer, and then Jesus is going to answer them again, and I'll give that to you for homework. Go back now to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul's going back to the original intent for God as, from God as well as it relates to marriage in these chapters, in these verses. And he says in 1 Corinthians 7, in verse 12, But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. 
a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? And how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? And so sometimes that unequally yoked relationship happens after you're already married. Let me just be clear from the sake of if you aren't already married, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. And I know that's not a phrase that we use too much today, but it's very simple. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is not okay for you to marry an unbeliever. It's a very simple answer to a very simple question. And any of the answers that come back, but no, 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 you don't understand, Ed. He's so, so close. And I'm just kind of viewing myself as a missionary to him, you know, Lord? I just want to be a missionary. I think if we get married, he'll just see my life. And no. Relationships aren't missionary outreaches. They're a commitment you make with your life. The Bible says that you're becoming one with that person. And so if you're before marriage right now, you cannot marry an unbeliever and have it blessed by God. You're going to suffer great. God will honor the covenant, but the consequences will be painful. You're listening to Abounding Grace and a message from Pastor Ed Taylor taken from our series in 1 Corinthians. You can hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as we close, you mentioned that when dating or seeking a mate, they should be looking for a Christian. But let's say someone is already married and one is a believer and the other is not. Does that mean they have a right to divorce? Well, Larry, let's answer that, answer that right away. The answer is no. Paul actually addresses this in his letter that we're studying right now to the Corinthians, and that what, whatever way you've been saved, stay in that. And the essence of what he's saying is if you're married, stay married. And if you're single, stay single. Now, the prohibition of divorce within marriage is a long-term prohibition, you know, until death do us part in our vows. But the emphasis on singleness, though, is until you get married. And so, no, it's not permission to divorce at all. Um, Marie and I, you know, and I think in our own lives, we got married as unbelievers, and then I got saved, and Marie got saved just a little bit after that, but our spiritual growth were on different tracks. And, you know, we're talking within seven months, we were almost getting divorced again as believers, And we're just so grateful for the grace of God to apprehend my heart. You know, all it takes is one true believer in the home. Now, so so here's the prohibition. When it comes to being unequally yoked, you speaking to those that are already married, if you're unequally yoked, you understand why that's prohibited. And you're to remain married and sanctify your spouse and love them with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. To those that are not married, it is a warning And many times in our own fellowship here, when people are unconvinced, with their permission, I will connect them with someone that is currently unequally yoked so they can hear firsthand how difficult it is. And also, I like to connect them with others that are in their situation. Maybe they got married unbelievers and one of them got saved, or they made a sinful mistake and were unequally yoked that... There's abundance of God's grace in the midst of that difficult situation. And so either way, stay in the position you are and worship God totally. And God does not give you permission to divorce because your spouse is an unbeliever. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. 
I can't help but think someone listening right now really needed to hear that. Here in the month of May, we picked out an excellent book written by Ray Bentley called The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. It's one thing to read prophecy and quite another to step into its fulfillment. It can be easy to miss the significant signs contained in the stories of biblical characters in God's creation and in the lives and actions of today's Israelis and Palestinians. That's where Ray Bentley steps in to help in the Holy Land Key. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Don't miss our next study in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.